Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Today, early in the morning, I'm very excited that we have Hari Kalimnios uh, with us. I was wondering if I was going to say his name correctly, but I'm really privileged he's, he's on the show. So he's a consultant, a speaker, a trainer on mindset, resilience, which is perfect for, for this topic, health and well-being, and also how to feel superhuman, which is very exciting. I'm hoping I'm going to learn a bit about superhumanity today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's great to, to be here. So thank you for having me. I feel very honoured myself. So uh, oh, cool. Um, so me and Harry have like run into each other off and on for different events over the years. Um, but I don't really fully know your story. So I was excited yeah. when we got in touch and was like, let's hear a little bit about your journey that got you into like being superhuman yourself and supporting other people to do the same. So um, yeah. fill in the blanks a little bit for us. Tell tell the listeners like uh, a little bit about what you're passionate about in, in work yeah. and in life. Yeah, I mean, so my, my passion is really helping people become their superhuman selves, okay? And now, what does that really mean? It, I always have to explain it to people because my mum especially, she goes, I don't really like the term superhuman. And I'm like... Okay, I need to explain what it is. Uh, really, it means, imagine you on your best day, but 10x in that, and then being like that, not 10 days out of 10, but like eight or nine days out of 10, rather than like just once in a while. It's not about being able to hold your breath for 24 minutes or 26 minutes, whichever, I think it's the world record, 26 minutes, if you can believe that, to hold your breath. Um, so it's not about superhuman feats like that, it's about you know, having the health, vitality and energy so that you can work a full day at work, but, you know, go to the gym before work, go and write your book in the evening, go home, uh, play with the kids, be interested in them, um, go shopping all day on the weekend with your significant other and not feel tired. Just do all the things that you want to do uh, without, you know, just being shattered or not, not, not feeling that, you've, that you can really give your full to life. So that's what I mean by being superhuman. And also the reason I, I, uh, I came up with that term really, and actually it was a friend of mine that suggested it because everything that I, I've been pursuing the last eight years, but really like my whole life, has always been about how do I uh, become a better version of myself. So whether that is from a physical point of view, whether it's a mental point of view, like learning speed reading techniques or photo reading techniques, it was all about being superhuman. And also I have always loved uh, superheroes and comics and things like that. And so I've, I've been a big fan. So it all just made sense uh, to call it that. And and so that's what that term means. Uh, I'll give you a background about why I'm passionate about this and, and what got me started, if you like. Um, so I actually was working uh, in the city after I went to university. I went traveling for a number of years. I came back, didn't really know what I wanted to do, fell into a job which maybe some people can relate to. It wasn't like my life's calling, it wasn't my passion, but I wasn't, I was in that dodgy place of not really loving it but not hating it enough to leave as well. So I worked at the London Stock Exchange for a company called Accenture. Mm. So I worked there for six years and financial crisis hit around 2008, 2010 they stuck continuing to make redundancies. My team got made redundant, everyone except for me. I managed to get redundancy in the end through um, almost like having to beg them for redundancy because I didn't want to stay there and I was always waiting for like a sign, if you like, to help mm. prompt me to action. Yeah. And, and I, and I, you know, I, yeah, in the movies, you, you watch these things and, and there's like this life-changing thing that happens and so, suddenly the hero like knows what they want to do and all this stuff becomes clear. And it's not really like that for me anyway. And so there was never this sign, but I thought if ever there was a sign, 
it was probably this idea of taking redundancy. So You're I thought, making it a sign. Yeah, so I, I decided that that was the sign. And I started going a little bit deeper into personal development. I've been interested in things like NLP, uh, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming, a, a tool, a collection of tools for communication, if you like, uh, since 2006. So I took that uh, as a prompt in 2010 to do an NLP course that led me down a path of going to different personal development courses. I then came across a, a, a guy delivering a course who looked amazing. He was like in almost 60. He hadn't had a cold in almost 30 years. Um, he had so much energy and I was like, and he looked about 35 and I was like, oh, what's all that about? And so I found out a little bit about what he, he was talking about, but, you know, he had a really expensive course, like three thousand dollar, three thousand pound course for like three days, um, and I didn't want to do that. And I spoke to some people that went on that course, and they said, "Well, essentially, he brings in this author and talks about his book." So I was like, "Okay, what's the book?" So I read the book because it was five pound instead of three thousand pounds. <laughs> Trying to get uh, shortcuts, even then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, and I didn't necessarily make massive changes there, but I think I was already on the path, and I think it subconsciously went in. And, and, and I decided because I'd left the stock exchange, but I was continuing to work in a regular job. So I ended up working at Sainsbury's as a contractor. And I recognized that as a contractor, if you don't work, you don't get paid. Okay. There's no sick pay. And also you're only going to be, have your contract renewed if you're good, right? <clears throat> you know, you can't, you can't coast along. And so you really need to perform at your best. And so I was really adamant that you know I was going to be 100% well and 100% focused and so I started doing things that, that aided that as I started learning more about other high-performing individuals. Can I and, pause you for one yeah, second? Yeah, I'm curious absolutely. about when when you were at the stock exchange for those six years and yeah. things were like average and mediocre like what was your surrounding lifestyle like beyond the job and your energy levels and all yeah. that? Yeah this thing so I, yeah, I, I, I went out and I, I drank, but I still went to the gym. So I was always quite active. In terms, I've, I've been active since I was eight years old. I've done some kind of structured exercise from judo, karate, um, football, basketball, all the way up. Um, so I was always quite active, but I wasn't necessarily healthy. So I was fit, but not healthy. Yeah. And I, you know, I went out, I, I partied a little bit, um, certainly in my 20s. Um, it wouldn't have been unusual to turn up to work a little bit hungover on occasion, uh, more occasions than probably was sure. was necessary. Um, and so at the Stock Exchange, I was, you know, I was like that. I mean, I had a weird uh, existence there because uh, three years I was working shifts anyway. So, you know, sometimes I'd be working nights for a week. Sometimes I'd be working evenings. Uh, sometimes I remember going out once I was working a weekend and the 12 hour shifts eight till eight. And I remember I worked from eight in the morning to eight in the evening, then went out into town for someone's birthday, finished up around two or three. And I thought, well, there's no point going home. So I walked all the way back to work, the other side of town from the West end all the way into the, into the East sort of side. And then just slept, uh, in the kind of restroom at work and obviously got up at seven, had a shower. I mean, I was lucky I had all my clothes and stuff at work because I used to cycle. So, yeah. so it was a bit of a, uh, yeah, it wasn't the healthiest overall, but it wasn't like the worst, worst. And so my energy levels compared to my friends, if my friends were sort of here, I was already up there. You had a bit of an edge. I became even, even higher when I started making these changes. Um, yeah. And so 
over the following few years, I made many, many changes. I started looking at high-performing individuals. I started seeing what they've done to overcome their challenges and their adversities. adversities. Um, and I started noticing the patterns. So, Which is, let me just pause you, because that's a really good learning point, is when we can learn from other people's behavior, it can kind of give us an edge rather than needing to experiment on everything on ourselves, right? It sort of gives abs- you a head start. Yeah, Absolutely. One of my um, favorite quotes or favorite bits is from Will Smith, where he's talking to a bunch, you might have seen it on YouTube, where he's talking to a bunch of children, and he says, like, two most important lessons in life is running and reading. And he says, running, because, you know, when you're running, and this could be a metaphor for any activity, I guess, but when you're running and you think you can't go on and, and you know, you're finding it a real struggle, you keep going on and you keep pushing through, that's what you've got to do in life. And then reading, because any issue, challenge, problem you've had, there have been billions and billions of people that lived on the planet before you, and someone is going to have had the same issue. Right. And so they've probably written a book about it, yeah. so you can then learn. And, um, and or, so or I started these days being a watch YouTube, right? These yeah, days you yeah. Can do it. YouTube, yeah. podcasts, yeah. Uh, you learn from other people what this is all about. Yeah. And, and I started reading a lot. So I, I, I stopped reading really after traveling. I used to read when I was traveling, but then like eight, ten years before that, I didn't really read. And then I started reading, on average, like a book a week um, because I, I started taking the, the uh, underground, the tube, so I was able to read. So I was I'm reading about a book a week and listening to lots of audios and going to courses and just noticing the patterns and what were people saying. And if seven out of ten people said do this, I was like, okay. And eight out of ten people said do this. And, you know, and I was saying, okay, well, if these people are doing this and they're like top of their game, maybe there's something to it and so I started making uh, quite a lot of changes I remember making like 30 different changes in the first month and then about 100 or so changes overall um, I've got them written down somewhere I can't that's remember. a lot in a short yeah. space of time yeah it was I was I went full-on uh, this was around sort of beginning of 2011 and I went quite into it and yeah, and that was small changes. Where did you learn your work ethic? I'm I'm curious about just your context and your background. Your your parents, your siblings. Like, did did you just have this perfect start in life where your parents sort of supported you to drive hard and and look after um, yourself? Look, I had a great upbringing. Absolutely, there's no question about that. I went to a, a great school. It was a not a private school or anything like that. It was a. Um, a grammar school so it's quite a good school that where they they do quite good grades um and my parents were both academics uh, so one was a teacher one was a lecturer however they never were like i don't know they never really had to sort of say do your homework or do that they never even now like, i mean even as a kid and this is a whole other story but but um where we're talking about my lifestyle before and this isn't bad parenting by any stretch. I did drink as a, as a kid. In fact, I remember saying I gave up drinking when I was 12. Believe it or not. No, this is a big, bigger story. Uh, started again at 14. Uh, but I had a really bad episode when I was 12. I went to this. Um, so we're Greek. So we used to have like the tiniest bit of wine from sure. like the age of five, like one finger. Yeah, yeah wine uh but we went to this wine festival uh when i was 12 in cyprus and it was like five pounds to get in and then all the free wine and we were just kind of me and my little sister who was uh, would have been 10 i guess were just kind of let loose and we, we just bought these little plastic bottles and you could refill them um, and i got so drunk and i was actually um and then when we got back i was physically i remember i was physically sick um 
a couple of times and then it put me off put me off obviously drinking anything for two years and you say well 14 is still really young um i, I put me off wine for about 10 years and only started drinking that again when i was in australia and it was the cheapest thing to drink <laughs> uh, uh, and even now i still yeah not the biggest fan of wine um occasionally i have a natural wine if i find it but um but uh yeah and so so we were never like told off i don't ever remember being given a curfew uh, never grounded you know anything like that but it wasn't like we were going out drinking all the time but like you know 14 15 years old you know i was in the scouts as well you'd have a, a couple of beers here or there or whatever so because we had that when I went to university, I was never, I never went off the rails with anything. Um, but I did have, you know, a good, good upbringing. My parents were very caring. They were very supportive, still are to this day, massively supporting. Um, whether that's my work ethic comes from that, I don't know, because my, I mean, my, my sisters are, you know, reasonably hardworking as well. Um, very hardworking. In, um, so, um, I guess, I think what it was really was when it came to like going deep into it is that I got a little bit fed up with, I'm just waiting for my life to start. Yeah. So, um, like I said, waiting for that light bulb moment, waiting for someone to come and save me, um, and, and, you know, rescue me from whatever it is. And you get a sign and no. Well, yeah, I just remember listening to, um, I think it was Bob Proctor or it might have been Brain Fine Tracy, but I think it was Bob Proctor who said, if it's to be, it's up to me. And, I, and that really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's to be, it's up to me. And that no one is going to come and save you. No one's, not your parents, not your best friend, not anyone. Okay. They've all got their own shit going on. They've all got their own life going on. And, and so you have to do something. And if you want something to change, then you have to change. Okay. Um, you know, Zig Ziglar said, change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. And that's, I guess, uh, what, what prompted me to, to, to make these changes. I, um, and also you start to get results as well. And you start to see people and you think, well, okay, you know, um, this seems to be working. So I started making small changes that might be from, uh, I stopped drinking caffeine, not to say whether that's good or bad right now. Uh, that's another discussion, but I stopped drinking caffeine. Um, I stopped picking what up was, the newspaper. What uh, was your reason around the caffeine? Was it just uh, uh, like a false sense of energy and not sustainable? You know what? Um, there was, I think uh, a few people were talking about that. I think uh, I was starting to go down this like acid alkaline route and it was a bit more acidic. But also I think what it was was I was thinking, at the end of the day, if you need a cup of coffee or tea in the morning to get you going and wake you up. And a lot of people in the health world still do this, but then I believe there's something wrong elsewhere. Uh, you know, uh, you're not getting enough sleep, this and the other. Um, now is caffeine coffee hundred percent bad? No. Okay. Mm. Does it have benefits in certain areas? Yes. Um, but you know, if you're drinking it, should you be drinking it the first half hour that you're waking up? Probably no. Maybe after two or three hours, if you want a coffee and it's a, kind of clean coffee you know go for broke but make sure you i would say wrap it up by midday because mm-hmm. it, it's got uh, most people don't realize this but coffee has got or caffeine has got a half-life six to eight hours depending on the the, the type of coffee your body and that which means that eight hours later there'll still be half the amount of caffeine still in your system so if you finish say a cup of coffee at 2 p.m then at 10 p.m it's it's like you're drinking half a cup of coffee okay um 
Uh, so for me, I, I don't really have any caffeine. Occasionally, I might have a green tea or a matcha tea, um, but it's not a day-to-day thing. Uh, but there was four or five years I had no caffeine whatsoever. Um, but now I have like a bit of green tea and matcha. Sure. Um, and I guess it's yeah. figuring out what works for you. It's, it's personal and it's, it's trial and error a little bit. Well, that's it. And this is what I say to people is that, you know, you don't have to buy into anything I say or anyone else says. Sure. It's, it's, it's more a case of, okay, go into it with a bit more of an open mind. See, see if it makes sense. But even if it doesn't quite make sense, me, if you're curious enough, give it a go, try it out, see if it works. And that's what I did with a bunch of the things I was learning is I, I took on all of these different ideas some of them I kept some of them I ditched some of them I amended and and made my uniquely my own I think it's a Bruce Lee quote that I love which is like you know absorb what is useful discard what is not and add what is uniquely you uh I paraphrase it something like that but it's but that's effectively what I did and I mean long long story short over many years I, I discovered that there were four key areas that every change I'd made fell into so one day I was, I was thinking to myself, this was about four years later, I was thinking, I've done all these different things. I've, I've noticed that my health, my relationships, my energy levels, my focus, my productivity have all increased, mm-hmm. my, my zest for life. Now, I will, I will um, caveat this with, it's not the delusional thing of, I've always been happy, always up here, always, okay? Uh, we go through cycles in both our seasons of life, but during the day, everything. So sometimes you know, you're more energized and happy, sometimes you're not. And this is sure. normal range of human emotions, for example. It's not to say like this positive thinking and personal development, and you've got to be happy all the time, you've got to be, ah, da, 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 because you wouldn't have those other emotions if they weren't serving you in some sure. way, okay? But I guess the, the idea is that you're not always there, and you're not always, like, you need the coffee to get you up here, then you need the, the sedative or the alcohol to get you to sleep, and then you need the the, the sugar pickup in the afternoon. Sugar pickup, then yeah. something else there, and then you need like, and then you go on, 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 and then you have a holiday once every three years, and then you crash. kind of crash. Like, so, yeah. so it's more about having a smooth curve <coughs> and doing that. So I thought, well, okay, I've made all these changes. There must be some kind of pattern to it. Um, and so I wrote them all down on a nice big sheet of paper. Um, and then I just started circling where things seemed to fit in. And that resulted in me understanding that there were four, four key areas that effectively are to do with health, wellness, resilience, uh, and well-being. And the reason that's a focus for me is because at the end of the day, if you don't have energy okay you can have all the strategies the goal setting the motivation the world. you don't have the energy to get up and perform you can't get any of that stuff done okay i did it's like the foundation piece it is a foundation piece because i i did uh, physics with astrophysics at university believe it or not and uh you know the the root of everything in the universe really is energy or vibration okay nikola tesla said if you want to understand the secrets of the universe think in terms of energy vibration and frequencies Okay, and he was a you know he was a genius. I mean, when Einstein was asked by reporters what it was like to be the smartest person on the planet, he said, "I don't know." Ask Nikola Tesla. <laughs> okay, and so so you want to listen to Nikola Tesla, uh, and so everything to do with energy, okay, yeah. at a fundamental level. And if you don't have the energy to perform, you can't do anything. You can't overcome adversity. You can't you know once you're more resilient, once you've got that energy, you can start to cope with things that are going to be thrown at you. Because at the end of the day, life is going to throw you 
you know, things are going to go well and then you're going to get thrown something, okay? And, and especially you're... if you want to, sorry, especially if you want to yeah. change your life dramatically, you've got to work overtime or work smartly in order to educate yourself and practice, you know, kind of pivoting into a completely new way of working or yeah. a different career or a different mindset or whatever. Um, and if you don't have the energy to do, because I remember doing my master's degree at night while working full time and raising my two kids, right? Um, I wouldn't say I was the epitome of, of, of mental health or physical health at the time, but I would have, like, I would force myself to wake up at three in the morning in order to get some study time in before my kids got up. So, because, it, because at night I was just like fried. Um, and so yeah. that way is not necessarily sustainable because like burnout was just looming on the horizon, but I forced myself to do it. But how much better would it have been had I met you then, Hari? Uh, <laughs> I could have been like, how do I do this in a way that's well, sustainable? <laughs> what I would say is that sometimes you do have to go to an extreme and that your life is, the thing is your life is always off balance to some degree, right? In order to move forward in life, you have to be off balance. If you think about walking, walking is effectively just controlled falling, okay? And we're constantly That's adjusting true. from being <laughs> balanced to off balance to move forward. Yeah. So we will always be off balance. Uh, the question is how far off balance and how, what do we know to get back into balance? And when you uh, say uh, the four four areas that I, I can briefly cover in a second yeah, but it, to focus on one sometimes the other bits might have to be out of balance right. for a period of time until you master that and then you can bring things back in yes so it's not about perfection, perfection. Yeah. I always say it's about progress not perfection absolutely okay? and and simply having an awareness and an understanding of what goes into things gives you the power and the, the ability to make choices, conscious choices about yes. moving things forward. And sometimes, you know, for example, I write books. Now, I've written two books. I've got another one on the way, which is based on the philosophy I'm about to share. And that's massively detrimental to your health, writing books. You know, you're, you're, even though right now I've got my standing desk and things, everything raised, but it's still not the best thing, right? But sometimes you have to, you have to do negative things in order to bring a positive out at the end. Yeah, uh, but conscious decisions and thinking about the big picture, I knew I needed to get an education in order to create the life of balance that I now have. Well, ish. I'm an entrepreneur, so you know what, what that's like, right? Yeah. Um, but it means I'm able to now make choices. So I really had to fight during those first years in order to fight for the freedom to choose. Because um, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have what I have now. Um, so I yeah. completely get that sometimes you got to focus on one and pick that one, know that the other ones exist, and then kind of get good at those at the right time, and then hopefully yeah. kind of sustain some kind of balance over time. Yeah. So that's I'm curious it. about the four areas. Yeah, so the, the four areas, um, again, I, I think it might be written on this top here. It's called the leadership beat model, okay? And the reason I call it, firstly, leadership, I used to call it the energy beat model, but then I realized it's really um, a, a philosophy for life about self-leadership. And, and for me, I think we're all leaders, okay? Even if the only person you can lead is yourself or maybe your two kids or your family, sure. okay? We're all leaders and we need to be able to, the world needs better leaders, okay? And I think if you want to be the best leader, you can. You have to be the best self-leader. In order to be the best self-leader possible, you need to be on point mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So once you get that in, then you can start to add other things to it. So, and the word BEAT, uh, which is written there, B-E-A-T, stands for the four components that uh, that go into health and well-being, um, as I see it. And it's, it's kind of represented by this 
double yin yang that I've got here. So each quadrant there represents one of those four components. Um, the first one is, uh, and really it's, uh, it, it, uh, the clue is in my brand name. So my brand name is called the Thoughts Gym, as in thinking, the Thought Gym. And what I discovered, even before I, I came up with this, like, because this really manifested in, in this form about four years ago, five years ago, around 2013-14 is when that came about. But I, I developed the brand The Thought Gym back in 2010. And that's because I realized that most people, when it came to health, wellness, all of this, they're, they're doomed to repeat the same patterns over and over again because they're often they're trying to change behaviors yeah. rather than changing mindsets behind the behavior and, and changing the thought pattern that goes into it because everything starts by nature of a thought first. Okay, from this, the idea for this podcast was a thought in your head and now it's a reality. Yeah. Okay. And so these uh, thoughts need to be addressed. So my first book, which is called The Thought Gym, is all about addressing those behaviors, the values and beliefs that you hold. Because if you believe, for example, that it's boring to eat healthy or takes too long or it's yeah. too expensive, are you going to do it? You know, yeah. probably not. Yeah. Okay. Even though you know the benefit intellectually. But if your fundamental subconscious belief is something else, it's going to be more challenging. Or your identity is that of someone that always is on a yo-yo diet, then even when you get success, you'll probably revert to type at some point unless you change the identity in your subconscious. So it's all about subconscious patterning and thinking. Uh, and so B is it stands for brain. And that's all about your psychology. Uh, it's all about your uh, mindset, your emotions. It's about your identity, your values, your beliefs. But also it's about education and growth so do you continually learn okay when you start learning you start growing you start having more energy so if you imagine one day you might be working in a regular job and you're going to the same office but that particular day you're uh, on a course that you've been fighting with your boss for months to get onto suddenly you've got more of a spring in your step you've got more energy you're more excited even though you're going to the same building you've got the same commutes you've got the same hassles you have more energy um and that you know, this stuff came to me intuitively a lot of the, the model uh, but then it's since got corroborated with with studies and science when i started looking for it uh so b stands for brain um e which is the next lot along and, the, and this kind of quadrant uh stands for elements okay so elements is all about how you nourish your body from the inside and out mm. and it's a metaphor so i've got five elements uh greek culture air water earth fire and ether and very briefly, they're metaphors for what needs to go into your body or on your body. Air is about breathing, so the power mm. of breath, pranayama for energy. Um, I study and I teach as well yoga part-time uh, for fun, but I've been doing yoga for 10, 12 years. Uh, breathing is a big part of that. If you look at Tai Chi, you look at uh, Qigong, meditation, it's all breathing has been a big part for, for thousands of years. Now there's a big whole influx of people thinking about Wim Hof methods and other breathing methods that are out there. Uh, so breathing is super important. Then you've got water, which is obviously about the importance of water. You might have been seeing me sipping my water, yeah. but it's more, more than just water. I mean, water is information. It's, uh, it's useful. It's needed for so many different things in your body. But So we look at water. Earth is around food. Okay, So is your food from the earth? Rather than, you know, Is it from a plant rather than made in a plant? Uh, are you eating real food? Whatever that might uh, be. Um, and your relationship to the earth. So uh, something called grounding or earthing, which is getting in contact with the earth. Um, the earth has lots of negative ions floating on its surface, and we have detached ourselves from our connection to the earth through rubber-soled shoes and concrete and houses. And when we get to touch the ground, 
for example, let me ask you, do you ever feel nice when you, when you walk barefoot in the sand or the grass in the park in the summer? Does that feel nice to you? And I, well, I have to say it's so rare. It's so Is rare. It? Um, just because of I live bang in the city, I'm in London, I do have a park opposite, they'll often wear flip-flops, but I have to like consciously sort of go, let me take my shoes off in order, yeah. you know? And so there's a kind of a psychological, let me connect with the grass or just laying down in it. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's profound what it does just, for you in a very short amount of time. Oh yeah, you need like 20 minutes of that, yeah. you know, a day. Um, and it, you, you'll pick up negative ions, which actually is natural antioxidants. So it will bring... It will attach to the positive free radicals in your body. It's basically like instead of drinking your orange juice or your, your side berries, you know, you're, you're pulling that up from the earth. Um, it's a really, I've got a blog post somewhere on it, but um, Earthing is, is the title of the book that people can, can look up. Um, it's, uh, it's really interesting. So that's, that's Earth. Fire is all around sunlight, uh, light mm. therapy. Uh, being outdoors, being in nature, yeah. Um, and we were talking just before this podcast that you know I have that kind of SAD light in the winter to get light therapy into my into my eyes first thing in the morning. Super important. Um, and then I say so many people because as a therapist as well, so many people come to me sort of in the winter feeling that the, those elements of SAD where they're just hidden away. Um, so, which is seasonal affective disorder, uh, and kind of don't know what to do in order to prevent that state from happening. They just sort of accept that, oh, I'm one of those people that gets SAD, you know? Yeah, and there are, there are many things that, that you can do. Obviously, being outside as much as possible in the winter, even when it is gloomy, but having uh, a light has been helpful. I have like a daylight alarm clock that gets me up in the winter, so it gradually wakes me up with, with sunlight. So there's loads of things. I mean, I, I do a lot about sleep and uh, all sorts of things but um so yeah so that's fire and then ether is so ether is like the the, the substance that they imagined that was enveloping everything okay and then they disproved it now i'm not sure if it got reproved or not but um but anyway ether is effectively your environment so that could be your physical environment so for example if you imagine do you feel that you're more productive when you've got like a tidy desk around you and a tidy oh, yeah oh, so there's that area <laughs> Also setting your environment up for success, whether that's using a standing desk or having like, you know, um, exercise equipment close at hand that you can do two minutes on just between like breaks. But then there's also like your chemical environment. So what do you put on your skin? Most people don't consider the, the makeup that they're using, the shampoos, the conditioners, the different parabens and SLS and SLESs that are in there and the different toxins that are in these products. Like that cleaning affect. sprays and stuff like that that you use in your Not, yeah, not just cleaning, but yeah, but even more importantly, like what you're putting on through your transdermally, through your skin that, yeah. that's coming through. Okay, um, most of it is crap, to be honest. Most of it is not great stuff. Um, but then also your invisible environment. So that's like electromagnetic frequencies and Bluetooth signals. So I see all these people now with um, the Apple AirPods, right? I'm not a fan, okay? Um, I used to have a Bluetooth thing, but I, I'm just not convinced about the safety of Bluetooth. And, and I think we'll discover, certainly with mobile phones, uh, I would never have one to my ear. Um, and I, I'm lucky because I, I end up getting like a really headache or hot head or locked jaw when I have a mobile phone to my ear for more than about a minute. So my body signals that it's not a good idea. So I normally have it on speakerphone or I use wired headphones, mm -hmm. which maybe aren't either the best thing either. But certainly these Apple AirPods, I would be curious to know the safety on that because from what I understand, 
one of them has got the Bluetooth thing and the other one is sending the signal across. So it literally getting signal through your head. Yeah. And all these people with these, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not convinced uh, on that. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm avoiding those. But so, you know, what can you do with that? Maybe turning your Wi-Fi off at night, things like that. Uh, you know, you can't control the fact that your neighbor has their Wi-Fi on. No. Um, but you can control what's well, your what's education and what you do with it. So um, let's get personal. I'm curious about your own sort of morning routine or what does yeah. that look like for okay. Harry the man? Yeah. Um, I, I'm quite sure I've only just said B and E, but never yeah. mind. That's fine. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll close it up after. <laughs> we'll, close, we'll close it up after. So morning routine um, on a good day. Uh, so today was quite a good day. Um, it, it, I, I would get up at say six. I would go, uh, I'd read a passage of a book that I've been reading for about seven years. Um, it's got 10 passages. I read one passage a day. Um, then I will prep some vegetables, uh, soak the vegetables um, for juicing and making a smoothie later. Uh, I come back. Uh, so let's say if we were doing the time, 6, 6.15, like, you know, go to the toilet, read the book. 6.15 to 6.30 would be prepping the veg. 6.30 to say 6.45, 6.50 is maybe doing some meditation, okay? Um, and then there's a little bit of fat usually, and then around sort of 5 to 7, 7 o'clock, jump on a rebounder, uh, for which you might be able to see the corner of it here. It's like a, a, I don't know if you can see it down there, it's like a little trampoline. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I've been doing that every day that I've, I've been at home for sort of seven years. So I do about 15, 20 minutes on that. Um, just moving the body, stimulating the lymph. Um, then, say so today, I did a bit of yoga at home. So I might do a bit of yoga here, or maybe do it elsewhere, or maybe not do anything after the rebounding. It, it just depends. But that would be that. Then, of course, you work for yourself, right? So you can yeah. make your own schedule, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I can. I mean, I do. Uh, sometimes I have to leave earlier. Um, so I wouldn't say I've got this framework. Mm. But it's always flexibility within the framework. So sometimes I will do nothing. Sometimes yeah. I'll just time for meditation or just time for rebounding. Maybe it'll be five minutes of rebounding, not 15 or 20. Uh, maybe I'll make the, the, the smoothie the night before instead of that morning. Maybe I'll chop the veg up. So there's always flexibility. Yeah. But let's yeah. see if it's a perfect thing. Sure. From that, then shower, and then listen to a podcast while I'm making the juice and the smoothie. And then I tend to drink the smoothie and the juices like now, sort of between sort of nine nine and eleven that looks I'll incredible, I have to say it just looks like that'll boost your energy just without anything else <laughs> yeah this is one of my secrets I mean I call it the superhuman smoothie I do have a video online on YouTube and uh, on my website on on this so we're gonna find it uh, and add it into the show notes because yeah we'll, really we'll share it we'll share it at the end um uh yeah it's just the thoughtgym.com forward slash smoothie I think uh takes you to the video um but there's like 30 different ingredients in there. But I would always say to people, look, don't do what I do. Okay, <laughs> just start. Uh, I this started with like solution. Yeah. yeah, I just started with banana, spinach, uh, almond milk, and green powder or something like that. I don't know. Now it kind of escalated, and there's a bunch of stuff. But typically, I'll juice and smoothie about 12 portions of vegetables, which goes into my my morning stuff, and then I might have another. 10 portions throughout the day so I could have 20 portions of vegetables a day sometimes 25 um, um, so yeah I'll make that and that takes me to about 9 o'clock um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so that's 3 hours which yeah. is quite a lot but you know, you know an hour of that might be exercise sure it, like you know I can make the juice and everything in 
and clean up in less than half an hour if I wanted to. But what uh, I'm hearing is that you're kind of hitting all of those elements within that period of time. So you're really setting yourself up for the day on a perfect day. Yeah, yeah. On a good day, I mean, I, I've got this little philosophy for morning routines called BMW. If you want to be like a high performance person, be like a high performance bar, like a BMW. Yeah. So BMW stands for breathing, movement and water. Okay. If you can get that in every day, uh, you know, breathe when you get up, move when you get up, even if it's five minutes, um, and then drink, you know, tons of water. I mean, just drink like half a litre of water first thing in the morning. I mean, I drink, uh, so when I'm making my uh, preparations for veg, I'll have roughly half a litre of warm water, uh, which is usually a third hot water, two thirds cold water, and then another, then uh, warm water lemon or hot water lemon, which I'll let cool down and I'll drink it after my meditation um, and then I'll have water then I'll have a juice and then if you do all that then have your coffee after that maybe um, but okay. but not like most people get up first and then drink first thing is coffee so uh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying don't ever drink coffee I'm just saying do it a few hours later finish it off by 12 make sure you've had loads of water before that and, and consciously make the decision around yeah it. Yeah. yeah, they don't so, have the one with like tons and tons of sugar in it. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. I do definitely have a love-hate relationship with coffee, um, but I don't necessarily need it. But it, but I do find that I'm more dehydrated um, if I've just had coffee first thing in the morning. So I'm going to be looking up that smoothie ingredient. Mm. So what were your, let's close off a bit about your uh, oh, yeah. two elements. So A and T. Yeah. E. A stands for activity. So activity is not just about exercise. People think it's about exercise. More important than exercise is movement. But beyond movement, activity is about everything that you do in a day. So this is the people that you hang around with. Do you have passion in your life, purpose? Do you have an emotional connections with people? Do you have fun? Do you laugh? Uh, so that's everything to do with activity, routines, rituals. Um, and then T, which a lot of people you know, miss out on, stands for tranquility. So that are, is things like sleep, uh, meditation, mindfulness, um, digital nutrition, as I call it, rather than digital detoxing, which is about going a small period of time without anything. How do you live day to day with digital technology? Um, fasting, holidays, time off. So all the things that, that rest, recuperate, regenerate your body. Most people, when they look at health and well-being philosophies, they're looking at diet and exercise. If you're lucky, they're looking at sleep. Very rarely are they looking at mindset. But even within those things, you know, diet is a, is a small part of the element section. Okay, You've got exercise as a small part of the activity section. Sleep is a small part of the tranquility section. So within those, there's more things. Because you could sleep right, you could eat right. Um, you could exercise right, but you could still not be passionate, and then therefore you don't have the energy. You could still, like as an entrepreneur, this is what I've discovered and why I put connection in there, is that I felt better when I met people and I saw people where I could go three, four days in the flat doing like a blog and doing videos, and then I hadn't seen or spoken to anyone. Yeah. And I felt really tired, even though I had my green smoothie, I had my sleep, I had all yeah, this. Yeah. And then it was only after I put that in that I started seeing that actually connection and relationships is probably the, the single biggest indicator of longevity out there beyond diet, exercise, anything else. If you have good, strong relationships, you're more likely to live longer. Um, so all of this, a lot of it came intuitively, and then I then I realized that there was actually a lot of science behind it. But um, 
you know, if you listen to the wisdom of your body, if you look at nature, if you look at babies, this is where I got my lessons from. Babies, nature, my own intuition, um, and that's what developed the leadership beat model. Um, and that's now kind of my life's purpose is to share with this to people through the books, the blogs, uh, the book I'm writing now is is the whole complete package on this. Um, because there are simple, small changes that people can make. Like, for example, even your coffee drinking. When I started drinking coffee or stopped drinking coffee or tea, I recognized that actually most of it was about the ritual behind it. It was about, it was about having Comfort. something warm. Yeah. It was about distracting myself. It was about connecting with people at work. Yeah. And you could do all that <clears throat> with a herbal tea. Sure. You know? So I started doing that. And I was like, it's oh, changing actually, the yeah. belief system around it, like you said. Exactly. Um, yeah. So if people want to get in touch or find your books or, or this video and all the rest of it, what's the website that's um, best to find <clears> you at? If, um, if they go to thethoughtgym.com, yeah. um, they can get a, a free video series there on changing habits so i have a seven step framework around changing habits it'll also talk about uh the, the beat model and the, the reasons the myths behind why people can't get into their top resilient healthy way um and also i'm massively active on social media so the thought gym whether that's youtube or instagram facebook if they just go to any of those platforms forward slash the thought gym um they'll find me there um and, uh, and then from there, they can, they can, there's another website they can find all those. So go down the, the Harry rabbit hole and find all yes, your... It, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's over like 150, 200 videos and blogs um, around. Um, so, yeah, they'll, they'll, find, they'll find me. But the thoughtgym.com is, is the, main, the easiest one to, to remember probably. We'll add that into um, the show notes. Um, and just closing up the theme around adversity, I'm curious about... In your life, what would you view as the most challenging time in your life? Oh, um, you know, there was, there was quite a few. I think um, I, I teach a lot of kids stuff now as well. I go and do a lot of stuff in schools. And someone was asking me this the other day. They were saying, oh, you know, how are you so good with kids and all this? Because I remember what it was like to be a kid. I, I've had this journal that I've kept ever since I was about 10. I don't write in it every day, but I write in it like once every few years. But usually it's the times when I'm feeling like at my lowest. So, And I sometimes go back and I reread that. And I know that I found being a teenager, being like going into adulthood quite challenging like whether that was deciding what I was going to do for A-levels, I kept flip-flopping and changing the course and went back to it or, or university and then deciding to wanting to quit and then go forward. And, and even recently I'm doing a master's as well, wanting, wanting to kind of quit that and then started it again. So, um, but I would say like just figuring out who and what I was supposed to be was quite, and it, it's still quite challenging because I, you know, I'm still figuring out, exactly what I was uniquely put here to do and I think the challenges and this is why connection is so important is that sometimes that idea of feeling like you're the only one that feels the way that you, you do and that no one else can relate to it uh, when in reality having coached people as well they all feel like that and they come in with similar ideas and issues thinking that they're the only people in the world with those issues and um, so I guess that's the challenging thing is feeling alone and then being able to open up and, and talk to people about the issues that, that are going on, I think. And some of uh, that's really ongoing, like as an entrepreneur, like you're saying, you, you might not see anyone for a few days or like, because I'm only recently fully in business but, um, on my own and 
the, the sort of loneliness and the asking for help thing when yeah. people like us are quite driven and uh, forward facing and it's very ambitious. Um, but yet I can spend afternoons where I haven't spoken to anyone and feel absolute loneliness, you know, and yeah. being okay and confident enough to say, I've been through so much in my life and there are still struggles, but I guess yeah. we both have more education around, well, what are the foundation pieces that we can put in place or how do we notice in our bodies and our minds if things are a bit off balance? Absolutely. This is what I say, off balance. I, I call it off beat. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm feeling <laughs> off beat, yeah. and I think that's the, that's the that's thing it. at the bottom there, like, <laughs> are you feeling on or off beat today? Because why am I feeling off beat? Well, I haven't connected with anyone, yeah. you know, maybe I need to invest in my education. Maybe I need to do something differently. Why am I feeling the way I, I do? Maybe I need to open, have a real conversation with someone. I'm just having superficial conversations right now. Um, so I think that's that's the ongoing challenge, um, really for for me. That's that's my work, if you like, um, and and it's just trying to spend more days and hours and minutes on beat than off beat, and uh, and working all that through. Um, Absolutely, so yeah. exciting. Um, and I completely agree that it's the authentic, deep, real conversations, besides the superficial ones, that actually look after our mental health and our mindset pretty much yeah. more than anything. Yeah, and there's a place for both, you know. That's what I discovered sure. when I started uh, moving in this direction. You, you tend to find that your friends who are not maybe moving with you, um, and you, and then you find different friends. And I always say to people, it's not about alienating your old friends. It's just recognizing that maybe there are these concepts of five-day friends, five-hour friends, and five-minute friends, and recognizing that where you were once maybe five-day friends, maybe now you're five-hour or five-minute friends, and you found other people to have those deep conversations with but with those friends you go and you have a curry and you go and talk about have football you go and do all that yeah, yeah. And, then, and you have that still but it's not fair on them to demand of them that they are then the person that you want them to be okay they have to be who they are and you have to find people who are already satisfying what you want to find in a friend i think um yeah lovely um and on that note uh, I feel like we could talk all day, but we'll put yeah, your yeah, information in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I'm a speaker as well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I speak for a living. Um, but so much wisdom here. I've learned so much. I always do from these conversations. Thank you so much for your time. I'm sure we'll have you on again one day and let us know when the oh, book's out. We'd love to, yes, and I will do, absolutely. Thank um, you so much. Thank you. <laughs>